God is moving in a great and mighty way, and I just want to thank Him for what He is doing and what He yet has planned to do. Which brings me to what the Spirit of the Lord has been impressing upon me as I've been preparing for uh, this evening's service. I said, Lord, your people are making the sacrifice and they're coming out, Lord. And Lord, I know they're coming to worship you and they're coming, we're going to uh, come together in one, in unity, and we're going to ascribe glory and honor and praise to you. And you are so deserving. The Lord, you said the church is also uh, has uh, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, and the pastor and the teacher to equip the saints. And so, Lord, I've got a position and a place here. So, Lord, show me what you want done, what, what you want said. And, and Lord God, I'm, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. And, and I just kept hearing in my spirit, like uh, anybody ever drive a, a four or five speed vehicle, you know, and uh, when you like in first gear, you get to a certain RPM, the, everything's screaming, change to gear, shift, shift or something's going to break, <laughs> shift or something's going to burn up, shift or metal's going to start flying everywhere. And then when you shift, it just picks up speed. And it, and it goes to the next level. But then it comes to a place where it's telling you again with the scream that the RPMs are even higher and it's time to shift. It's time to shift. Well, that's what I was hearing in my spirit, that, that the RPMs are running really high in what we're dealing with in the unseen realm here, in the spirit realm. And it, God said, it's time for my church to shift because I want to take, take you to the next level. I want to take you to a higher velocity. I want to take you into greater things. And, and so that I began you know, asking the Lord, what, where are we, what are we to shift? Show me what we are to shift. And, and He gave me some things. I'm going to share that with you tonight. But uh, before I get into that, I want to, as we're talking about the church shifting gears or shifting to the next level, let's, let us take our theology and make sure it's correct. That the church is not some institution and the church is not something we're talking about abstract out here. We're talking about us. That means we are, we are positioned and we are in a place that there needs to be a shift. And you'll probably find out, as I've seen so many times in my life, even in the life of studying church history, that when these shifts were needed for moving to that next level of glory, that next level of advancement, it was usually signified of a, a time of intense spiritual warfare. So if you've been going through any intense spiritual warfare, be encouraged, be encouraged, because this is all meaning that you're in the right place, you got your RPMs up, and it is time to go to the next level. So I want to share with you uh, some shifts that I feel like are needed that the Lord gave me to share with you about uh, shifting in our lives and the life of the church. And here we represent Christian Embassy International Church, so we want to make sure that Christian Embassy is hearing the voice of God, obeying the voice of God, and walking it out as well. So as a church tonight, we want to adopt this and say, Lord, we want to make sure we're moving we're shifting in this which you've called us to do. Because in every city in the world, where you can't see it with your eyes, but there is an unseen battle that is raging for dominion over God's creation and for the souls of people. It's happening in every city, every tribe around the world. The enemy is at work trying his best to get dominion over God's creation and the souls of God's people. And uh, we uh, were called to be a strategic partner and a strategic leader 
uh, here recently in Washington, D.C., and Pastor Deacon and I came back and was sharing with you in the Culture Shaper Summit. Uh, Oz Hillman called us, and he was telling me that, you know, you've got one of the biggest footprints of Christians in the world, especially in America here, and he says, uh, God has positioned you there. Do you know it's strategic? And I said, I believe it. I don't know exactly what it's all for, but it's, it's his. It's his. He said, well, will you partner with us in this Culture Shaper Summit and, uh, so that we can, we can work together to advance God's kingdom because this war is taking place uh, all around the world and it's uh, and, and strategic as it's fighting on seven strategic fronts uh, that like mountains of influence that shape destiny. And, and over the years, the church retreated from its place of influence on these mountains and as the church retreated and moved back from these areas of influence, it left a void there. And that void has been filled with darkness. And that darkness has manifested itself in every one of these mountains as uh, we're going to talk about them individually. You're going to see how the influence of hell rather than the influence of heaven has gained some ground. And when we lose our influence, we lose our culture. Now, 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 that is very important. Now, many people have asked me about Christian embassy. They come in, they see the flags everywhere. They say, and even we used to say, we were a multicultural, spirit-filled, spirit-led church, uh, multi-generational, but we're not a multicultural church. I have to bring a correction to that. We are a multi-ethnic church, and we love that because that's what we see in heaven around the throne of God, and that's what we want here on earth. And uh, so we will, we're celebrate that we are a multi-ethnic church, but we're a one-culture church. A one-culture, and it's the culture of heaven. It's the culture of heaven. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are not trying to bring my southern culture here to dominate. We're not trying to bring your culture here to dominate. Uh, we're here to bring all of the influences and the cultures that we come back from and the ethnicities we come from to come together around the throne of God and the Word of God by the power of the Spirit of God to pull down heaven on earth. That we want one culture, and that's the culture of heaven. Can you agree with that? Amen. That the culture of heaven on earth would be uh, Jesus' desire because He taught us how to pray, and that's how we should pray. And He prayed that way, and the disciples saw Him working miracles in every one of these spheres, and we can work miracles as well, or God can work miracles through us. So now uh, we are in a situation because the church as a whole did not see its place in all these areas of influence that we have a generation that stands in desperate need. Uh, we, we see it in every aspect of society. And I say it's time to fight for them. I say it's time that we fight. It's not too late. long as there's breath and, and, and God is on the throne, and He is, it's not too late. So we can take back these mountains of influence. And, and, and let me tell you what, this fight, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is, is saying, it's not going to take just a revival. It's going, not, a revival's not enough. I believe God is calling us to move from a revival mindset to a reformation mindset. That there's going to have to be some reform. That it's not just livening up and waking up something that's almost dead. There, there, things have gotten so off track in so many areas that it's going to actually take a reform. A reforming of culture that we know it. So these seven mountains of influence, let's look at them. Well, one of them is government. 
And, uh, and that's where evil is either restrained or endures. Government is where laws can be made and the, the law of the land can become something that violates the law of God. We know that. We live in that. I think Alabama was just uh, contesting that last night and uh, yes, uh, today, and, uh, and it's going to open up a hornet's nest. But you see, you see God is moving. God is moving. God is saying that life is important to me, that I created you. While you're in your mother's womb, I've called you and purposed you, and you have destiny. That, that it's so important that we recognize the, the, how God has set it up, but when the laws of the land violate the laws of God, it puts the world in a place where they say, you know what, I, I feel justified, and I feel like I, I'm okay and confirmed because I'm obeying the laws of the land and the whole time the law of the land may be causing them to violate the law of God. There has to be a reformation because government is where evil is either restrained or endorsed. And let me tell you what, where there's godly influence in government, then you can find godly restraint to evil even through the laws that are made. You go back to the founding of our nation and look at many of our laws and you find that they were founded upon Scripture and the, and, and the teaching of Scripture, that the compass that they were using for morality was the Word of God. And, and everybody that, that will be honest will say how a country in a couple of hundred years became so blessed so quickly more than any country in the history of the world because there is its foundation was the Word of God even in its law. When we were at the Museum of the Bible in D.C., uh, they have one of those... Uh, it's not just a movie, but you actually you move with it. You, your seat moves as you're flying around D.C. And they take you to the hundreds and hundreds of monuments and buildings and all that were built that, that has Scripture as their capstone, Scripture as their foundation, Scripture in the pillars, Scripture here and there. It's the Word of God. It's like this city was built on the Word of God. How in the world could we get so far away from that to where we can thumb up our nose at the Word of God and say we're going to do this, this, this new thing? Oh my goodness. Government is where evil is either restrained or endorsed. And when we get light in our government, the darkness has to flee. The same with education in that mountain. That's where truths or lies about God are taught. Truths or, li truths or lies about His creation, truths or, truths or lies about uh, his, his choice of humanity and for humanity are taught there. And a whole generation is brought up with this philosophy and this education that is either teaching them the ways of God or to turn against the ways of God. We need godly influence in the mountain of our education. We need godly influence in our mountain of media. Somebody say, help us Lord, okay? Where, that's where information is interpreted through the lens of good or evil. And they, that's where the Bible, when it talks about in those last days, they'll call that which is good, bad, and that which is bad, good, and that which is dark, light, and light, dark. Uh, it just gets it all reversed. Well, that's where it's promoted. That's where it, it's heralded from is through our media. Whoever controls the media controls the culture. So we definitely, so we as a church, when I'm speaking to these mountains, God has called each of us to, uh, to uh, we have a place in one or more of these mountains. So we are the church, but we are to be the church that is influencing and bringing the light of God and the Spirit of God into the er areas of uh, spheres of influence that we have in one or more of these mountains. So when we, we end the service here, we are then beginning our service out there. We're just here to be equipped. This isn't that we are the church, but we're to be equipped to go out there and to make the difference. 
So we've got to shift gears. We've got to see what our role is. We've got to see how important to the kingdom of God we are as individuals as we go into our separate ways. Arts and entertainment. Wow, there's another one. That's where values and virtues are either celebrated or distorted. If you want to see uh, uh, something that is contrary to God, uh, gain of uh, a footing in the government, gain a footing in the legal system, gain a footing in the educational mountain, gain a footing in the media, it will, become, it will start in arts and entertainment. The perversion will be celebrated with the most handsome and the most beautiful of actors and the most talented and the most gifted singers and so forth, and they will sing about it and they will practice it on the screen for you. And if they want to change God's order, they'll put a man with a man and a woman with a woman and the music just right and the setting just right and the situational ethics just right so that you, if you're not careful, you'll get sucked into it. The young people get sucked into it and you'll be like, you know, what you've just changed your mind about God's order which is now they're violating God's order and they can say words that normally would have made you cringe now you listen to it and you, it's like you don't even hear it anymore because they've got such good actors and actresses and they'll even put it in their music and their songs and 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 and, and, and lyrics that 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 would make you cringe no longer make you cringe you actually get to the beat bop going with it okay so the enemy knows how to work these mountains and, and the church, we, we just close our eyes and act as though, you know, we don't want Hollywood. We don't want to be involved in that. Government, oh, all politicians, oh my goodness, they're all of the devil. No, they may be all of the devil because the church stopped getting involved in the politics. And, and, and arts and entertainment may be all promoting that which is anti-God because the church has not gone into arts and entertainment. Let me tell you what, we have to see and ask God, what have you called me to get into? What have you called me to step into? into and then step into it in the name of God. You say, oh, but if I go there, they'll, they'll sway me. Are you saying darkness is more powerful than light? If you've got purpose and you've got a relationship, as Brother Joe was just saying, that relationship trumps everything else because out of that, the authority and out of that, the power will continue to flow and the influence will come. One of the mountains is religion. Now, let me tell you what, that one probably has suffered as much as the others where people worship God in spirit in, or in, in, and in truth, or they settle for religious ritual. Lord, help us to never settle for religious ritual, where we have the form, but we deny the power. Oh, God, help us. And I know it's easy because when you do stuff repetitively, it's easy, your brain gets wired in that, and you can do it without even thinking. I, I'm still amazed at uh, one of the events that took place in my life when I was in uh, Bible college. I would normally preach these youth revivals a lot of the weekends. Uh, Bible would be over at 3 o'clock and I had my car packed and the furthest I would uh, book out was four and a half hours if they were starting at 7.30. Four hours if they're starting at 7 o'clock, which would take me to, from Greenville, South Carolina to Charleston, uh, South Carolina or somewhere uh, uh, as far as the East Coast would be from Greenville. Bible class would be over. Dr. Benson would say, uh, you know, amen. And I was running out the door because I knew I had no time to waste. And I would get four, four and a half hours to this place. Church services really just started. And you know, I'd, I'd come in and, and uh, 
Then uh, they, you know, when my time to come preach, I'd preach, and we'd have these youth revivals. But they were adults; all the parents were there, and we just had tremendous times. Friday night was a kind of a slower start. Saturday night was even better. Sunday morning was good, and then Sunday night was like the camp meeting. You know, like when you go to camp that last night at camp. You know, it was just that was it. And sometimes we'd be praying around the altar and folks giving their lives to God and folks getting born again and, and, and rededicating their lives and uh, delivered of demonic uh, impact and influence and, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was just amazing altar services and they would last a long time. Then the pastor would normally say uh, in a group of the folks in church, well, we, let's go and they'd want to go to Waffle House or IHOP or somewhere that was open late and they got to feed me before I get on the road, which those places are high carb. So they had high carb me and then send me on the road. And sometimes it'd be around 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Now I've got a four, four and a half hour drive ahead of me, all carved up, been preaching for the whole weekend on adrenaline, sleeping in a strange place, so not getting, you know, so I'm, I am wore out. And I remember that was some of the most miserable trips going home I can ever remember. I was so sleepy, but I had Greek Monday morning first thing at 8 o'clock, so I, I couldn't miss it. Uh, Dr. McKinney, that, I'd be in trouble because if I got behind in Greek, I, then it would all be Greek to me. So I had to keep up. So uh, I'm pushing through and pushing through. And one night, I came to, from uh, North Charleston, South Carolina, I came into Columbia, South Carolina, it was about two hours there and then about two hours on to Greenville, and I, I remember coming into Columbia, and then the next thing I was driving up the driveway, my aunt and uncle's house that I stayed with in Greenville. Two plus hours had passed, and I have no recollect, recollection of it at all. How, and then I think I thought back hundreds of times, all those turns that I had to make. I know I knew them by heart, but how did I'm, either an angel drove it for me or the brain can do things that we don't realize. But I remember nothing about that trip. I don't want to be the church like that. I don't want us to be like that. I want a new encounter. I want a fresh encounter. I don't want us to come here and just, you know, put the metronome on and just get in timing and do our thing and then we're out of here. I want us to come in here expecting miracles. I want us to come in here expecting to see the healing. I, lepers healed, cancer healed, the lame walking, the blind seeing. I want us to come in here expecting to see the supernatural manifest of heaven on earth and a word directly from God that speaks to us so that as though God were right here speaking to us, which He is. I don't don't want us to have this form and deny the power. God, help us. Help us, Lord, that we can, we can stay, we can shift and stay in that, that right place, Lord God, where, where you are moving and ministering and it's alive and it's real and it's personal. Hallelujah. There's another mountain there, the, mountain, the family mountain, and that's where either the blessing is passed on or the curse is passed on. And let me tell you what, I've seen people go through the, the, the ritual church who did not know that they could break a generational curse or that the, through the atonement there was provision made to break the generational curse and they let a generational curse pass right through them, right onto their children and their grandchildren and so on. But here at Christian Embassy, we got to shift gears. we got to understand that Jesus, through His atoning work on that cross, He took the curse off of us to get the blessing on us. And now that we can put our foot down and say the curse stops here. I, I've had people tell me, you know, i got this in my family. I've got diabetes in my family. I've got heart disease in my family. I've got you know, cancer in my family. I'll probably have to deal with these things. 
I go to the doctor, they want me to fill out all the family history because they know the curse. They understand the curse passes through. But if the church, if we rise and shift into the next gear, we can say, no, that is true. The curse does pass from generation to generation. But let me tell you what, the blessing also can pass from generation to generation. You need to add another document to that and, and let us start writing down what the blessing is. The family blessing as well because we need to recognize that and realize that and act on that. My people perish for lack of knowledge and they're held in captivity because they do not know. We want to know, but we don't want to just know it. We want to act on what we know. There's another mountain business and that's the mountain, if you'll find out, they all depend upon Everything that you see there needs funds. The family needs funds. Uh, arts and entertainment needs funds. Education needs funds. Government needs funds. Media needs funds. The church even needs funds. So the business mountain becomes one of the strategic mountains that the enemy really orcs in. It's the one that fuels and funds the other mountains where people either build for the glory of God or the glory of man. And I say we want to raise up entrepreneurs and we want to raise up business leaders in this house that know that your purpose for prospering is to fund and fuel the kingdom of God and to advance the kingdom of God. You know why that blessing is on you. Yes, you're the water hose. You'll get wet. Your family will get wet first. Amen. So the blessing will come upon you. Your wealth will come, that wealth will come upon you first. That's okay. But it's not just all for you. It's for funding and advancing the kingdom of God where the resources of the kingdom of God are consecrated. There, there the kingdom of God is expanded. But if you, let me tell you what, the enemy knows how to use them and funnel them in so that they can advance the kingdom of darkness as well. Let me tell you what, I am tired of being second class, second rate, intimidated by, standing in the shadows and letting the devil just seem to be in charge of everything. That is not how it's supposed to be. That is not how it's supposed to be. Let me tell you, he may be occupying, but he is occupying. He can be booted. He can be routed out. He can be routed out. Amen. This earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and he has given it to, to, to his sons and daughters. So for us to occupy, for us to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, it's not for the devil to advance his kingdom as it is in hell. It's for us to advance the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So, so it's very important the ones who lead in the mountain of business because whoever controls the finances has some of the greatest influence over the culture. And in the last 50 years, there's been such a rapid moral decline like never before in the history. If you look down in a graph, you know, it's just like, phew, we just fell. It's just like the morality chart just fell. And the culture we inherited from our forefathers, it's disintegrating before our very eyes. We've got to see that. The, the RPMs are revving up. We've either got to change gears to cause a, a, a positive change or something's going to break. We've got to look at what kind of world are we going to leave our children? What kind of world are we going to leave our grandchildren? And as long as the mountain of business is held by the enemies of the gospel, the funding uh, of all the other mountains is going... I mean, it's amazing that the wicked prosper... And they are known and noted for the millions and the billions that they give into these other mountains to promote the ungodly agenda. 
And, and, and it's like Satan says, man, if I can get it through him, I'll get it to him. And he's taking God's kingdom principles and, and, and letting it flow through those to fund uh, the kingdom of darkness. The devil's a copycat, but the church, if we'll rise and shine, if we will establish ourselves, if we'll wake up, if we'll come for that reform, let me tell you what, God can use us to do even greater. I want you to imagine with me today, imagine us reclaiming with godly influence the sphere of government. We've seen it in bits and pieces and little bits here. We just had Mayor West, praise God, at the Trusted Compass this past Thursday. He joined us as our guest speaker. And uh, he got up and told his story about as a young boy, he came to know God. And then uh, in his young adult years, he got away from God and life got away from him and the hardships that he had and the hardships that he grew up with. And he says when, when, when uh, everything fell apart, he said, you know what? My life's not over. I still got God. I still got God. And the God of his youth, he went back to him and God accepted him and forgave him and cleansed him and filled him with his spirit. And, and now he says, I will not take credit for anything that is done good in Chesapeake. And I'm not ashamed of it. He says, it's a tough place to be because I'm not going to tell them it was my smarts or our smarts. I'm going to give the credit to God. That's a tough place to be. He said, but that's the place I'm going to stand. As long as God allow me to stand in this position, that's where I'm going to stand. And he says, and you know, we just had the uh, National day of prayer uh, out on the steps of City Hall. Let me tell you what. We had a Holy Ghost worship service for any of you who were there or were able to listen to it. It was a Holy Ghost jumping and dancing praise. You might say praise-a-thon. It was absolutely amazing. It was one of the best that I've ever been to ever in my life. It was powerful, powerful, powerful. Oh my goodness. And, and, and He allowed me to pray and I couldn't help but praying that God would open the heavens and, and continue to rain down His blessings and His favor and His wisdom and His guidance and His Spirit over this city and over the citizens and over Hampton Roads and over our state and over our nation. So, so we were talking with him one-on-one -on -one and he says, Pastor, he says, keep praying for me because sometimes I feel like uh, I'm the dartboard and, and there's a lot of more negative. You hear more negative than positive. You know that? The church, we sit on our words to encourage somebody, but Satan, he truly lets the loose lips flow for those who want to share the negative. So for every positive thing he hears, he's probably hearing uh, 40 or 50 negative things. And I'm probably not exaggerating because when uh, he got one positive thing and he was sharing it with me and he says, can you believe this? And it was like the only one he'd ever gotten since he was elected mayor. And uh, he says, I get so much stuff. And, uh, and, and so I'm just here saying you can encourage those in these mountains. You can encourage them to continue to stand strong in the Word of the Lord and let the Spirit of God use them. And your one word of encouragement will go so much further than you even imagine because it might be the only one they hear this week or this month or this year. Because let me tell you, they hear the, the, uh, enough of the negative that comes in. So just imagine God's influence in our sphere of government, even a greater uh, measure, what that could do. And God's influence in our sphere of education and what that can do with this generation that is rising up and get them focused on worshiping God and living for God and serving God and, and going into careers that will advance the kingdom of God. What about God's uh, influence in the sphere of media? Wow, that might, may, might mean you could start uh, you know, listening to some of the news and reading some of the stuff again because there's not a whole lot out there that's honest and true and worth putting in your spirit. 
What about this fear of God influencing the arts and entertainment? You might could start sitting down with your family again at night and watching a nice Andy Griffith show or something like that that you can laugh at that is not too perverted. Now it is, you just got to turn it off and say, we got we to do charades or we got to do something else because everything's so vile. What if we could get God's influence back into the sphere of business and businesses would begin to prosper and businesses would begin to, to, to invest in advancing that which is good and that which is moral and that which is right? Oh, you would see it rise up like a well-watered garden. And what if we were to start seeing this uh, glory of God uh, changing the sphere of families for His, His praise? Hallelujah. Where families start sticking together rather than uh, uh, coming under the attack of the enemy and falling apart. I, I don't go at anyone and, and point fingers if your family is falling apart. We're here to encourage you. We're here to be a support to you. But let me tell you what. Your family has been under fire your family was under attack and you know it. What if we had more of the church and the sphere of God uh, and the influence of God coming in the sphere of our families and you had more help uh, 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 of, you might would say, supernatural uh, origin in that fight that you had in your family and the demons of hell that was coming in trying to bring that divorce or bring that split up or bring that whatever uh, were being fought on in the spiritual realm and cast away and resisted and they would flee and now your family would still be prosperous. We need to see the importance of bringing God into all of these areas of our life. Amen? Amen? But before this can happen, there has to be a shift. There has to be a shift. If we keep doing what we've been doing, we'll keep getting what we've been getting. Isaiah 48 and 18 says this, Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, saith the Lord. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. I claim that right now, God. Thank you. For let that be the manifest in and through Christian embassy that you could even bring forth a road in the middle of a wilderness and rivers in the desert in and through this church. That the beasts of the field will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Lord God, I'll stand up and say, I know you're prophetically speaking of us. And Lord, we stand under this. We stand under this. That we're your chosen people, Lord God. That you have formed us for yourself for such a time as this. We are here in 2019. Hallelujah. Man, I find this passage here uh, telling us we need to make a shift that we got to break away from our old mindsets. we got to break away from our old wineskins. we got to break away from our old perspectives and embrace God's heart for what He's doing now. For what He's doing now. He said, Behold, I will do a new thing. I'll do a new thing. Say it to God. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing today. I'll celebrate what you did in the past, but I want to be participating in what you're doing today. And the question is, will we be able to grasp it? He asked us. Will you be able to grasp it? Will we be able to recognize what God's intent is and to get into agreement with Him? That's the important thing, that we come into agreement with Him. I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here's a picture of reformationing, reformation, awakening of God, an outpouring of God. The life of God being released where the need is greatest. The desert is where the water is needed the most. 
And we see that the, the outpouring of God and the awakening of God is being released where it is needed the most. It was released because God is giving drink to His people. I want to be a thirsty, calling out to God. He who hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. That we would be the ones that God would bring the drink and bring the water through us into the world and the mountains that we have influence in. God is saying, if my people will respond to me, I will bring forth an outpouring and a river, river in their wilderness places. And let me tell you what, we would call the seven, these, uh, seven of these mountains from God's perspective if we would uh, uh, begin to pray over them and see our place and position and how we can move into and bring change into these areas. Let me tell you what, we can turn this wilderness and this desert place into an oasis once again. God wants to transform it into a garden, He says. So the first thing that happens, God responds to the cry of His people. And I believe we've been crying out. I believe we've been crying out. I believe the people of God is saying, God, we need to see Your hand. We need to see Your heart. We need to see Your power. We need to see Your love. We need to see Your Word manifest in this world because things can get bad really, really fast. And notice as the river is released in the wilderness places, it says something odd begins to happen. The beast of the fields, the jackals, the ostriches, they began to honor God. Now, I don't think he was talking beasts and jackals and ostriches as his people. No, those are the things that thrive in the desert places. But even they began to honor God. And that's what happened when Reformation takes place. Because these speak of unredeemed people, unredeemed structures, and unredeemed mountains. And God says, I want to release a river in response to my people that is so powerful and overflowing that it's going to cause the beasts of the field and the jackals and the ostriches to begin to honor me, saith the Lord. That we're going we're gonna to see a reformation take place in such a way that those that once cursed God in high places will begin to bless God from high places. You can see a biblical picture of this with Daniel and the three Hebrew children. When they refuse to bow, if you remember, God shows up. They stand their ground. They stand for God to bring His influence in the midst of that desert place. And, and let me tell you what, Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree that no one shall speak against their God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of Daniel, no, I make a law that nobody can speak against their God. He didn't get saved, but he begins to honor God. Let me tell you what, God will begin to use people in high positions to turn the tide to move about advancing the kingdom of God, but we've got to be a part of that. We've got we've to jump in and bring our faith and bring our spiritual warfare and bring our positions of influence and our places in that God can use us as a conduit to bring His rivers and to bring that water into His kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. The point is we know that we've got to let God do something in us and through us and we can't quench it. We need to shift. We need to shift. We don't need oh, God said, I'm doing a new thing. So, so let's get ready, get ready to be used beyond what we've ever been used before because these shifts must occur. And let it begin in us individually as we individually make up the church. 
I just want to give you several shifts that I say we should make. One, we should shift from a place of wishing to a place of faith. To a place of faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, I mean, it's, if you read Hebrews 11... I challenge you to keep read Hebrews 11 over and over. It's full of men and women who by faith did something. They didn't just do something. It was by faith they did something. If we're going to do anything this last thing for God, we need to do it by faith. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. I mean, on and on. And all of them were reformers, and it took place by faith. They were not wishing about it. They were not whining about it, but they were acting out in faith. So I'm telling you, wishing is just futuristic, okay, in nature. Always wishing some. I wish this would change. I wish that. I wish things weren't so bad. I wish, I wish. But now faith, according to Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith is present tense, and it grabs hold, and it makes something happen. So we're not wishing a generation is going to come up and help uh, uh, turn the tide back to God. No, that's us now, now. Now faith, we've got to rise up because it's the substance or the realization of things hoped for and the evidence or the confidence of things not seen. So if we're going to get that which is unseen manifested, it's going to take some now faith. So we've got to shift from just wishing or whining to now faith. We've got to act now in faith. God says, without faith it's impossible to please me. A second thing, we need to shift from apathy to authority and power. We need to shift from apathy to authority and power. See, apathy is being satisfied with the form. <laughs> we deny the power because the power might heat up the place and might make us have to move a little. We, we get just apathetic and, 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 and kind of lazy. Status quo. Don't rock the boat. But God shows how He feels about that. He said in 2 Timothy, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times, which means stressful times, will come. And men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having that form of godliness but denying its power. How does God feel about that? And from such people turn away. And from such people turn away. God wants us to turn away from those that are self-absorbed. Turn away from that lifestyle, that mindset, and that uh, embracing the form but denying the power. He said, turn away. And let me tell you, he's provided for us all the power and authority that we need. And that power and authority has to come through a relationship with him because let me tell you what authority that he's given us without accountability would be dangerous. So we need the relationship first because that brings the accountability but with the accountability, he wants us to exercise his authority on earth. He has given it to us to exercise. I'll prove it to you. In Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There are these seven mountains. The hell ain't going to have a, a, a charge over these seven mountains. No, if my church will do what my church is created to do. And that's the church I'm building. I want to be a part of the church that Jesus is building. That we're kicking down the gates of hell. That we're kicking it down and saying, no, you put this fence line up, it don't belong here. You put this gate up here, it don't belong here. It's got to come down. He said, Jesus, before he ascended on high, some of the last words he shared with us, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. There will be a difference. The world will see. It will begin in your Jerusalem, your Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. This power will influence from where you live all the way around the world. 
but it's power that you get when you receive the Holy Spirit. He said, don't weep after me. Don't mourn after me. I'm sending power. I'm sending power when I send you my Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus said, Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, I'm giving it to you. You have that authority. Now go, make disciples of all nations, once again around the world, not just the United States of America, but let this godly influence go around the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.17, we looked at this just a couple of weeks ago. We've got to come back to it. God, the God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He wants your eyes to be open that you know this. What does He want you to know? That your eyes and your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. He says three things I want you to know. I'm, he says, I'm praying that you have a revelation, your eyes be open that you'll know that you would know what the hope of His calling is and the riches of His glory, of His inheritance that He has for you. And inheritance means it's already there. It's already there. And He died, made the will uh, uh, active so that it could be transferred. It's yours. He wants you to see that. And to see the exceeding greatness of His power that is towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in, in the heavenly places far above all principality and all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. There's nothing that doesn't have a name that we don't, haven't been given authority in Christ Jesus over it. Name it! And then you name the Jesus, the name of Jesus over it and you pull rank. And He put all things under His feet, all things, and gave Him what? to the head over to who? The church. He gave this authority. He gave us the use of His name over all, every name. He gave us the footprint that every authority of hell is under our foot. All of that's been given to us, the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Praise God. So we got to shift from this, this mentality of, of, of apathy to authority. That we don't just take what the devil gives us. That when the devil throws something on us, it means war! And we're going to rise up from a place of victory and we're going to come against it in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb until it's gone. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're not going to sit on the sideline and let the devil win this game. No! We're going to stay in the fight. We're going to stay in the game. And it may be a Hail Mary that God's going to pull at the last minute, but we know we're going to come out victorious because we've read the end of the book and we see that Jesus and His kingdom and His people win. And then finally, there's a shift from the myopic to an apostolic view. Myopic people are nearsighted. Myopic people lack imagination. They lack foresight. They lack vision. They lack insight. Going back to Isaiah 43 again, God says, uh, do not remember those former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. So what we've got to do is we've got to move from the myopic to the apostolic. And the apostolic spirit is, uh, is all about God's intent in the earth. It's what does God, God has a plan for this earth. 
So it's not what we think or what we just feel like was given to us and we got to put up with it. No, we have a position. We have a, we have a responsibility. We have been given uh, uh, marching orders. We've been given power to fulfill it. We've been given ammunition. We've been given resources. We've been given the very uh, the compass himself. It lives in us. Hallelujah. So that we can advance his kingdom. It is about, the, this earth is about the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've got to develop a kingdom now mentality. That, that while I'm here, God, I want to do my part. I want to do why you created me. I want to do what you created me for. I want to fulfill what you have me here for to advance your kingdom on earth. I mean, Matthew 6, 9 and 10, you just can't get it out of your head when they ask Jesus how to pray, teach us how to pray. You pray, you walk on water. You pray, the blind eyes open. You pray, the lame are jumping and leaping and dancing. You pray, and the deaf are hearing, dumb are speaking. You pray, the dead are rise, rising up. Lord, tell us, you got to teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. Our Father, how, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God has saved us, and God has called us, and God has empowered us, and God has given us authority to co-rule with Him here on earth. It's His plan. That's not my plan. God tells Adam and Eve from the very beginning, I want you to rule the earth. I want you to take dominion. I want you to exercise authority in the earth. And I want you to take my intent and make it a reality. That was what he was telling Adam and Eve. This, I've created you in my image. This is what I want you to do. He yoked himself with us. And, and Adam fell, but let me tell you, the first Adam fell, but the last Adam came and redeemed us and restored us and now wants to reform us. And he says, now whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We are co-laborers with the God in His kingdom plan, but we got to operate and move out of apathy into an apostolic understanding. And then this final one. I said final three, but that just slipped. This is the final one. We've got to shift from ritualism to revelation. Oh, help us, God. People who were reformers were so because they had a visitation and a revelation from God. They pressed in till they pressed through. They pressed in till they broke through. Come on now. When's the last time you pressed in? I know you talked to him on the fly. I know and thank God he, he puts up with it. He, 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 he'll, he'll talk to us wherever, whenever. But let me tell you what. There's something about pressing in. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 6, from Jesus' own lips, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. God says if we'll draw near to him, he'll draw nigh unto us. And let me tell you what, we must walk in the revelation of who we are as the church, and we can't get that identity from the people around us. We find our identity of who we are, whose we are, and why we're here, spending time with him. Spending time with the potter who fashioned every turn, every bend, every crook and crevice of you, he formed and fashioned for a purpose, for a purpose. And when you spend time with him, let me tell you what, you will get a revelation of who you are individually. And then we need to corporately understand the revelation of the ecclesia, 
that we as the church, the called out, called together, that what Jesus said he would build, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. It means called to assemble for battle. It's, it's a, a Greek word that means called to assemble, to govern, ecclesia, a group of governing and militaristic people who are causing things to change judicially in the spirit realm. That's who we are as a church. We are called to govern. And we begin governing over our own temple. We begin governing in our own home. But then we got to take that governorship outside of our home into the spheres of influence that we're in. We can't just let any demon spirit have its way wherever we're at. You just can't let the devil say anything he wants to say wherever you're at. You've got a role. You've got a place. You've got a calling. You've got, you can come against it. You can rebuke the devil. You can resist the devil. And the Bible didn't say he's going to argue with you. The Bible didn't say that, that there's going to be a, a, a wrestling match. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee. He'll flee when you move from apathy to authority and you understand, wait a minute, I have the power and authority in the name of Jesus over everything the devil would try to do and I'm here not for me. I'm not rejoicing because it's me. I know I've got a role to advance the kingdom of God. This is about kingdom. This is about the apostolic view. This is about the kingdom of God here on this earth. Being the church, the ecclesia, exercising kingdom rule. Man, some sobering stats. Only 9% of professing Christians have a biblical worldview. Only 9%. 50% believe that Satan does not exist. 50% of professing Christians believe that Satan does exist. 33% contend that Jesus sinned while he was here on this earth. I want to slap those. <laughs> Lord, help me. There's some flesh rose up there. 40% say they do not have a responsibility to share the Christian faith with others. Their Christian faith is personal and private and nobody's business. 25% dismiss the idea that the Bible is accurate in all of its principles that it teaches. Man, Paul said this, beware lest anyone cheat you th through philosophy and empty deceit, lying to you, deceiving you. Beware, beware. According to the traditions of men, they're going to try to deceive you according to the basic principles of the world. He said they'll try to deceive you and get you off of the anointing, get you off of Christ. Let me tell you what, beware, beware. I like what Chuck Colson said. He said, the church's singular failure in recent decades have been the failure to see Christianity as a life system or a worldview that governs every area of our existence. Let me tell you, church, if we're going to see awakenings that produce reformation, I believe these shifts and others are going to have to take place. But before they're going to take place corporately, let me tell you what. It's got to start with us individually. What about you? What about your family? From wishing to active faith. Oh, I try so hard. But Lord, I know it's not me. I, I just have a role in this. But I feel like one of my influencers in the mountain of the church is to teach you about faith and to teach you the Word of God and let the Word of God cause faith to rise up and then to help you point that faith and what God has called you to do and, and to use a now faith to transform the world around you. We've got to move individually from apathy to authority. From that myopic, it's all about me and my feelings and my struggle and my, to an apostolic view. 
The reason I'm going through this battle is because I have great influence. The reason the enemy is fighting me so hard and trying to discourage me is because he sees better than I see the plan of God on my life. And he's trying to douse it out. He's trying to smother it out. That should make you want to fight the harder and say, devil, you, you just woke up a sleeping giant. I guarantee you, you wish you hadn't have dropped those bombs. You just woke up a sleeping giant and we're going to change the course of history. That's what you need to do. And to help us individually and in our families move from ritualism to revelation. Oh, through that intimate time with God. Through that pressing in. God, I'm not leaving here. I'm not moving until I hear from you. Till I know. Till I see. Lord God, your hand moving. God, I know you. I know you. I know what you've said. I know there's no shadow of turning with you. And I'm going to quiet in this flesh. I'm going to quiet my life. And I'm going to get focused on you. Because none of that can save me. None of that can help me victoriously uh, over what I've got to deal with. But you can. Just one breath of yours can turn it all around. You can speak to the hearts of men and change them in such a way that just, it just opens the Red Sea. I thought there was no way, but you just open the Red Sea. And I can go across on dry ground. So I'm pressing in and I'm spending time and I'm getting that revelation from you ritualistic, oh, God is great, God is good, let him thank you for our food, whatever that is, now let me down to sleep, so soul to keep, if I should die before I wait, I mean, what a prayer is that, oh, Lord, my soul to take, whatever, you say it and don't even think, you're driving from Columbia to Greenville two hours and don't even know it, that's ritual, we need revelation, revelation, God help us, God, I pray you would just speak to our hearts in such a way that we would See the need. Lord, I, if you go, Lord, I go. But if you're not there, I'm not going. Lord, it's you. It's you, Lord. I need more of you. Help us, God. Help us, God. Shift. Shift. The RPM. I mean, it's like the engine's about ready to throw. Shift. Shift so we can take what God's called us to do to the next level. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we just stand in your place, in your presence here tonight in this place. Lord, I have shared what you've laid my heart to share. Holy Spirit, I leave it to you to take it, God, to minister to each and every person. And I ask you here tonight that you would say with a sincere heart, God, what are you saying to me? What are you telling me? What are you showing me, Lord? So that I can take this and I can apply it. I can take this, Lord God, and I can move forward in a greater way, leaving this place tonight. Lord God, helping to bring about this reformation that I believe you want to bring to this world. And Lord, I know that you're, you show us in your word how true this is. That when you're ready to release something great and significant through us, that there's often oppressive warfare that comes against us. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here tonight who's been undergoing the fire 
I mean, the rockets have been coming in from every angle. The enemy is not letting up at night or at day. And just like when you get one fire out, it's like there's another fire. And once you get that fire put out, there's another fire. I'm here to tell you, whenever God is about to release something significant through you, there's often oppressive warfare over it. And if that, you feel like you can identify that with that tonight, we want to help you. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. We just want you to come forward. And we're going to close in prayer. We're going to come around you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're not going to let you go through this by yourself. We're going to let you know you got people praying for you. you got people standing in faith with you. you got people that is calling on the name of Jesus for you. Hallelujah. That you're going to come through this. And you're going to come through it victorious. So if you feel like that God is about to release something significant through you and you've identified that because there's this, this, this uh, oppressive warfare that's coming against you, I want you to just come. I want you to come. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to come and help bring a stop to it. We're going to come and become part of your iron dome, your iron dome that's going to quench those fiery darts. We're going to join our shields of faith with your shield of faith. You're not in this by yourself. You're not in this by yourself. You see those who have come here around the altar. I'm asking everyone that will, everyone that has even a mustard seed of faith, I want you to come and lay your hands on these people. Just lay your hands on them and just to let them know you're there, just to let them know you're there and to begin to pray and begin to pray victory over them. Begin to pray that the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ would come so clearly in and through all of the fire and all of the, uh, the smoke and all of that which the weapons of the enemy has caused, that they would see clearly God's vision, they would see clearly the purpose that God has them for, and that it would wake up a sleeping giant. Instead of what the enemy has done discouraging them, no, it has awakened a sleeping giant. It has awakened a man or a woman, a son or daughter of faith. There's an awaken their faith and awaken their purpose and awaken their destiny and they see that they're kingdom focused and they're kingdom oriented and God is going to use them in a mighty way. Come on, join your faith with them. Let your faith shield be a part of the iron dome over them right now and just say, I come against every lie of the devil. I come against every attack of the devil. I come against every strategy of the devil. I come against every plan of the devil. In the name of Jesus, Satan, we rebuke you. Satan, we we rebuke you right now. We resist you. You leave. You go. In the name of Jesus, we command you to go in Jesus' name. And now faith come. Let encouragement come. Let a spirit of victory come. Let a spirit of warfare come. Let a spirit arise within this person right now that they would rise up from this battlefield and they would go forth running. They would go forth with faith. They would go forth in joy. For the joy of the Lord is their strength. They're going to go stronger out of here than what they came in here. Lord, we lay hands on them. We stand with them. We join our faith with them. And Lord, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. We are clearing house here tonight in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to fill. Whoever you lay hands on, just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill them fresh. Fill them afresh. Fill them afresh, Lord God. Fill them with your presence. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your anointing, Lord God. Lord, do a work in them so supernatural. A new thing, something they've never seen before. So a new thing, something, a level they've never been. A joy they've never experienced. A, a, a sense of authority they've never walked in. Lord God, raise them up. Raise them up. Raise them up, we pray. 
in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, let them know by this touch that they feel at this altar of prayer that you love them, Lord. If you're touching them right now, you're letting the love of God flow through you. You're letting the love of God flow through you. I'm telling you, if you can lay a watch on a little round, uh, a plugged-in device and it charged, you can lay a phone on a little cylinder, uh, a cylinder and it charged just through just laying there. Let me tell you what, your hands, your hands right now, hands that God formed and created, hands that belong to the supernatural, laid upon them right now, the love of God is flowing in. The love of God, the power of God. I'm telling you, you are recharging whoever you're praying for right now. You're recharging them right now. Or the Holy Spirit's recharging them through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, Lord God, let them sense your love. Let them sense your presence. Let them sense your power like they've never sensed before. Hallelujah. You're ministering to them right now. I'm just encouraging you who are praying for them. You are ministering to them right now. You're ministering life. You're ministering life. Hallelujah. You're ministering life to them right now in the name of Jesus. And for you who are being prayed for, receive it. Say, Lord God, I receive your love. I receive a fresh infilling of your spirit. I receive you Spirit of the living God, Your Word, I receive it, I receive it. I receive the moving of Your Word on my faith, that my faith is rising up. I receive it, I receive Your your purpose and destiny for my life. I receive the revelation, just tell Him I receive it. I I may not understand it all right now, but my spirit man receives it. And it's going to come into my spirit and it's going to be manifest through my, my soul. I'm going to know it. So I receive it, I receive the revelation my spirit I receive it hallelujah now I want you to begin to declare for you who are praying for them declare blessings over them right now in the name of Jesus I release blessing I release the blessings of the Father in the name of Jesus I release your blessings Lord God oh God let your blessings overtake them let your blessings Lord God overtake them as they go into their homes this evening Lord, I pray for you who are being prayed for, receive those blessings. Father God, I receive your blessings. I know I didn't earn them. I couldn't have done that. I would, I, if I could, I didn't need Jesus. So I receive them as a gift of grace. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Father, we pray that as we end this service, Lord God, that we would walk through these doors to begin our service to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.